Hello, I'm Oliver Colling, and this is my 70s TV childhood at Christmas. Welcome back to My 70s TV Childhood. It's been a little while since our last episode, so thanks for joining me again as we look back at what it was like to grow up as a child in 1970s Britain and the central part that TV played in our society at that time. And I'm especially pleased to welcome you to our Christmas special edition. Now, I'm sure you're used to the glitzy special editions of variety shows, soap operas, sitcoms and virtually every other type of TV show that get trotted out at this time of year. They normally have a special guest or two, your favourite regular characters put into a different context, like they're all going on holiday together or uh, they're having to put on a special Christmas entertainment. Well, we are just the same, except that our guests may not be quite as famous or exciting as those on mainstream TV, but I'll let you be the judge of that. Oh, and I can guarantee that unlike most of the TV Christmas specials, this has not been recorded months earlier and is genuinely being recorded a few days before release. I can sense some of you are a bit sceptical on this, so I can try and reassure you. As I'm recording this episode, the UK is facing further restrictions and possible future lockdowns as COVID cases are rising. So obviously that's totally different from the whole of this strange year of 2021. You know, truth is I've rather lost track of time over the last 18 months. So why don't we lose ourselves in some memories of Christmas 1970s style? Oh, and for those of you watching on uh, our webcam, um, there we are. You can see I am wearing my Christmas Christmas jumper, complete with red nose on Rudolph. So... um, Yeah, you have to watch the YouTube version if you want to get that special thrill. Anyway, I thought that in order to escape, we should go back to a year in the 1970s and remind ourselves of what was happening then. Now, where should we go? How about 1976? Oh, perhaps not, as that was the year I spent Christmas in bed with glandular fever, only managing to appear for about 10 minutes at Christmas dinner eating a few spoonfuls of tomato soup before being violently ill and having to be carried back to bed, where I stayed for several more days. Once I did manage to haul myself out of bed, I discovered that my sister had eaten all of the Cadbury's chocolate tree ornaments, just to complete my misery. Clearly, that's still a sore point with me, so let's not go back to then. Alright, where else should we try? Now, 1978, that looks more promising. In December 1978, I was 11 years old and had left primary school behind and embarked on my secondary education. Thankfully, my first term had been fine and hadn't contained some of the more terrifying aspects of school life as featured in Grange Hill, which had launched the same year. I'd started learning new subjects like French and Latin and the one or two game sessions a week at primary school had been replaced by more frequent, intense sessions of rugby training and matches, which I enjoyed right from the start, a love which has stayed with me into my adult life. 
I seem to remember the only disconcerting thing about the new school was the fact that the bigger boys in the sixth form weren't really like bigger boys. They're more like men and therefore uh, slightly more threatening. December 1978 was also a difficult time for my family. My grandfather had been diagnosed with bladder cancer earlier in the year and he died shortly before Christmas. And his funeral, the first one I'd been allowed to attend, took place just a few days before Christmas. It must have been very hard for my parents, as they lost all of their parents over a reasonably short period in the 1970s. Obviously, I was sad for the loss of my grandfather, a great sportsman who'd never been ill in his life until the end. But I convinced myself that I was grown up, as I didn't cry or get too emotional over his death. Looking back, I think my parents must have made a superhuman effort to make sure our Christmas was as happy as it could be, as I don't remember anything other than a cheerful, laughter-filled few days as we celebrated the big day. Although, strangely, I don't remember any of the Christmas presents I got that year, other than a cassette of the Muppet Show album, Part 2. Now, a little aside, for those of you listening who don't know what a cassette is, or I suppose I should say was, they were the modern way to listen to music in the late 70s. With the right equipment... You could record onto a cassette or compact cassette tape, as I think they were properly known, from the radio, from your records or your friends' records, more like, or with a microphone. You could also buy pre-recorded cassettes, like my Muppet Show album. Cassettes were great, in theory, apart from two big issues they had. Firstly, if you recorded onto a blank cassette and wanted to keep the recording... You had to break off a bit of plastic from the bottom of the cassette or else you'd accidentally record something over your prized recording, which I did countless times. Uh, Most tragically, recording the week's top 20 countdown over the great football commentator Peter Jones describing Manchester United's famous win over Liverpool in the 1979 FA Cup semi-final replay. Never mind. And the other big downside of cassettes was their propensity to get tangled up by whatever tape player you were using. Now, many of you listening will remember only too well the strange strangulated noise just before the tape crinkled into the machine, prompting you to jump up and try and switch the tape recorder off, the tape player off as soon as we could before the tape got ruined. Now, you then have to sort of pull it out, like pulling out a bit of fishing wire. And more often than not, the tape split whilst you're pulling it out of the machine. And then you had to try and splice it together with a bit of sellotape so you'd be able to play it again. And then, of course, if you did manage to play it again, you had to live with the moment of silence mid-tune thanks to the sellotape. Well, I digress. Not for the first time. Back to 1978. Outside of our family, it was the winter of discontent, where it seemed like everyone in the country was on strike. There were fuel shortages, rampant inflation... An increasing anger both with Jim Callaghan's government and the trade unions for continuing to strike. But for me, even at the very grown-up feeling age of 11, one of the main features of Christmas was what was on the telly. The arrival of the double issues of the radio and TV times was an eagerly awaited event which caused huge excitement in our house. I've said this before, but the fact we had to get separate TV guides for BBC and for ITV programmes may seem absolutely mad to some of our listeners now, but we and millions of others happily paid up for both. 
But, you may ask, what was there in the schedules which was solid gold, and what was there which, well, wasn't? A little earlier, armed with copies of the 1978 Christmas Radio and TV Times, I wandered through the schedules with one of our regular listeners and a past contributor to the show. I'm delighted to be joined again by Stuart, who's Stuart's regular listener from Wandsworth in London, and he's also a past contributor to, to the show. So, Stuart, hello. Nice to see you again. Hello, Oliver. Nice to see you again. Well, thanks Thanks for joining us for our special Christmas edition of um, My 70s TV Childhood. I couldn't remember what we were called then, but never mind. Never mind. Just to sort of start, before we start talking about the TV, what memories have you got of Christmas in the 70s? Well, Christmas in the 70s, I mean, I, I entered the 70s age three and I left them age 13. Um, so there's a lot of lot of change over that time in my, my perception and excitement about Christmas. But the thing that probably frames Christmas for me was um, my, my mother was a nurse and she worked shift work, nights, days, early starts, late mm. starts. So we, we tended to structure our Christmas day around when she was going to be around. So Christmas yeah. lunch, for example, sometimes you know, when she got back from a night shift or when she got back from a late day shift. So Christmas was a bit flexible or with the usual excitement around, uh, around presents and the like, but it probably affected our consumption of TV as well, about when we were going to be sitting down and watching, watching things. So probably we didn't have a conventional sit down at three o'clock and watch the Queen sort of structure to us um, mm. as a family. But that's probably the thing I, I look back on is when was my mum going to be around? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you mentioned the TV thing. We weren't supposed to be watching TV until three o'clock when the oh, Queen came on. Of course. But gradually it sort of got earlier and earlier. Like, it's three, oh, uh, could we watch Top of the Pops, for example? And then it got to before the Queen came on. And then, uh, yeah, over the years, got to watch more and more on TV, TV just as well, given what we're talking about. Exactly, yeah. So so today we've been, we've been um, for the listeners' benefit, we have been sifting our way through the tv and radio times for christmas 1978 and as i've explained many times it just seems rather odd there were two separate magazines for tv listings but that's that's where we were so i thought Stuart, if it's okay with you, we'll have a look through through the listings see see what leaps out um because my initial thing is a lot of the things on here we've, we've covered in previous episodes of the podcast which um probably shows what little variety there was on tv however should we start on christmas eve yeah, sure. Although actually, looking at the, looking at Saturday the twenty third, you, you mentioned a couple of things when when we were talking just before we started recording. What what a lineup for Saturday the twenty third! BBC Two Christmas with Mike Harding in the five penny piece, oh. followed by the magic flute of James Galway. That's, that's classy stuff. That just stunning memories. I mean, Mike Harding was you know light entertainment personified, um, but also a talented songwriter, singer, and um, you know, guitarist in, in, in his own right. But his TV shows were, were very light, I, I always found. Five Penny Piece, no memory of them whatsoever. Um, but James Galway was a, was a fantastic flautist and a regular, regular um, presence on TV in the, in, in, in the late 70s. And unfortunately, um, if we're not going to talk about like, the 23rd of December, we do we do miss the little and large Christmas show, which was on the 23rd of December, probably just as well, in my opinion. Yeah, always second, third, fourth fiddle, uh, continuing the music um, com- comments to, to the likes of um, Walkman Wise, Mike Yarwood. Indeed, indeed. Later. So just looking at, looking, looking at BBC, we're starting off with Camwick Green. That's good stuff. Yes. Brian Kent. Just for the, for the kids, then- the prison. 
it's it, as it was a Sunday, Sunday the twenty fourth of December, mm. nineteen seventy eight. We had the Sunday Gang, as we had in a featured in a previous episode, featuring uh, our friend Tim Worthington, and then uh, oh, Zai Zindari Naya Jivan. I don't think that was meant for us, but um, a lot of Sunday worship, a lot of films. Two fifty-five, the Sleeping Beauty ballet from the Covent Garden. Now, yes, I mean, I'm not sure was, about you. But- there was a lot of culture. I think um, going go, going through some of the schedules and uh, the odd the odd ballet would would pop up and the, the, the occasionally would be an opera on I remember from from the OGOs, but I couldn't see an opera in, in these listings. But you mentioned about religious programming. I'm just thinking about mm. Christmas is more current to Christmas is then religious broadcast religious programs around Christmas time were so strong and so so more present in the schedules than, than they are than I think they are now. So I've got listed here things like Carols from Kings with John Gilgood doing the readings. Yeah. Which was on Christmas Eve and repeated on Christmas morning. Ah. And those like you know those midnight mass, those morning service, another poem called Christmas yep. Day Worship, Godspell, musical you know, uh, yes. was, was, was shown this time around. And there was the odd biblical epic movie shown. You know, Easter tends to have, you know, the robe and things like that. But Christmas this year, we had um, the Bible in the beginning, a John Houston production at 10 a.m. on Christmas Eve on ITV. Oh, the biblical epics. Biblical oh. epic. And this had Richard Harris and Peter O'Toole, but, uh, two actors who I used to get oh, very confused. Right. So to see them both in the same movie was um, would have probably been a revelation. To me, if I still <laughs> <laughs> And looking ahead on um, Christmas Eve, we've got the BBC's dramatisation of Pinocchio, which again featured in one of our previous episodes. I do have a wooden heart, which I don't know if you remember that one. It was hor- it was horrific. It was really, really quite scary. Um, <laughs> it, it went back to the German yeah. roots of the story, and uh, where Pinocchio was just treated so badly by everybody, but it didn't help the fact that t- Pinocchio was was quite frightening to look at anyway. But uh, <laughs> moving on from that, I noticed we've also got uh, lots of culture, as you say. We've got Andre Andre Previn's Christmas Music Night. I, I assume that was serious, not having Eric and Ernie um, interfering in that. So some serious classical music at 10 past 11 in the evening on on Christmas Eve. Whereas on BBC Two, we've got the old grey whistle test. Yeah, 10cc. 10cc and a special Christmas concert. Well, well. It recorded earlier that week. I mean, the Great Whistle Test again was one of those things which would pop up at Christmas with the odd, with the odd special to to to, to show. And I remember Christmas Eve it being on in later years. Um, the old Great Whistle Test still being on on Christmas Eve. Mm. Just looking across at the TV times, looking at ITV. Mm. As it's a Sunday, we've got. Uh, well, this is the London edition I'm looking at. So we've got the big match at two fifteen, where I lived in the northwest. We had um, we had the kickoff match with Gerald Sinstat and the young Elton Wellesby, who went on to greater things after that. What, what did you have in the northeast, Stuart? I can't remember. I mean, I see that the Yorkshire TV variant that was called Football Special, so maybe that's what we had. In- ah, right, Football well. Special. But one thing that really catches my eye after Godspell in the afternoon, we've got Bruce Forsyth's Christmas Eve. At a massive two hours, presumably that was—I don't remember that—but presumably that was some kind of variety show with Brucey and probably Tarby and maybe Bob and all the favourites oh, oh. doing their stuff. That must have been a variety fest, singing, dancing, everything must have been in there. Special guests he could probably pull in 
at that time of his career were probably great as well. Maybe some might be some US superstars in as well. So that that's I mean two hours dedicated to a variety program. You would get you wouldn't get anything near that now um, for anything no. like that concept. Um, no, that's right. But that, that that stands out. But something else which you've you've completely skipped over, and it might be for good reason, yeah. is um, four fifteen. Pamers Hong Kong Christmas. Yes. Which, now, what, what's a commission? What's that about? That's a commission editor's nightmare, surely. The the, the a West Country poet flies to Hong Kong yeah. to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, that, that seems very strange. How, how how did that mashup happen? Um, you know, I don't know if, if anybody if anybody listening remembers this show, can you please let us know what it was all about? Please. I mean, I just. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, of course, Bruce Walsh, this was soon after the coup of ITV, who'd signed him, poached him from the BBC. Because then, yes. as we see, when we move on to Christmas Day in a minute, yeah. you know, Larry, Larry Grayson took over the generation game. Indeed. And, the, and in my view, it wasn't, was never the same after that, but he did do a pretty good job. He did do a good job. Um, and there's another coup, which is evident in the Christmas Day listings, which we'll come on to. Well, indeed, yes, the, the big one, the big which one. I remember at the time caused yeah. a huge furore, if that's the right word. Mm. Shall we have a look at Christmas Day? Why not? Just looking at um, looking at BBC One again, going back, yeah, mentioned Carols from Cambridge. Uh, the Flumps. God, do you remember The Flumps? Oh. I always found that was – I always thought that was a bit odd. And then at five past 11, Lancashire's favourite, The Spinners at Christmas. Oh. Now, before you say anything about The Spinners – they have a special place in my heart. They came to our school when I was in primary school. Why they came to our school, I really don't know. But we all sang songs with the spinners, including I remember uh, the the tragedy of the Ellen Vannon, if you remember that, about uh, a mail boat sinking in Liverpool Bay, which was um, yeah, one of their one of their greatest hits. So, so for the benefit of the listener, my, <laughs> my head is in my hands. <laughs> um, my memory of the spinners is that I think they all wore nearly matching Aaron jumpers, white cream Aaron jumpers. Um, that kind of thing, yes. Slightly yeah. different, different cable pattern in each of the, the jumpers, but it was <laughs> it was obviously from the from the from the same um, department store, woolenware department. Uh, were they wearing the jumpers when they came? Uh, I think they were wearing waistcoats. They had a sort of natty line in waistcoats, oh, what I remember. Okay. But I was I was quite young. Am I this probably, this probably from someone else onto the spinners? Am I doing? No, that? no, no. I think that that does sound very much like the spinners. Yeah, yeah but their kind, their kind of look <coughs> in a Christmas special for them. I think yes, it was something which I remember happening every now and again. Um, they they were up against on and, and also just a bit of just a bit of bit of. Uh, do you know why? Because the spinners were so successful. That's why the Detroit spinners were only known as the Detroit spinners in the United Kingdom. You're joking. The rest of the world, they were known as the spinners. Well, I never. There we are. That's one for your post-Christmas dinner family quiz. That is that that is trivia at its most. It trivia, is, but very it interesting is. at the same time. But anyway, sorry, Stuart. You were saying you were saying yeah, on ITV. If you have no or somewhere else, see too. What the spinners were up against was was play school. But then, <laughs> but then, but then. BBC Two closed down until two thirty in the afternoon. Well, that's that's, that's what happened, wasn't again, it? Again, a sign of the times. You know, TV stations would close down during the day, 
um, and, and come back on later on. But that was, again, just saw that was really surprised that that was happening in 1978. Yeah. And just looking, just looking at what comes up later, 10 past one, Holiday on Ice, which for me, the question was always, why? I mean, these variety shows on ice, I mean, weren't they bad enough anyway? But to put them on ice as well, just I could never quite understand that. Again, there's something again was a feature of our childhood. These these holiday specials. Again, commissioning editors must have thought this was a good idea. But- Although, having just noticed, having just noticed um, what's on the other side at that time, it's the uh, on ITV. And just looking at the ratings, it's it's the three two one Christmas special. Well, hands down, it's ITV, isn't it? Ted Rogers with Dusty Bean. Yeah, classic. Can you do the? Uh- and how many of the listeners are, are doing this? The three, two, one with exactly, the fingers. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 three, two, one was just mystifying to me. They give you all these clues, and it sounded like a car, and it turned out to be a bin, or it sounded like a bin and turned out to be a car. I just, I just never knew how anybody negotiated that. Yeah, and and a program which was parodied by um, by Spike Milligan, I think, in, uh, about a year later, where he he, he had this whole concept. Just looking like three, two, one, but the program was called "Lose My Furniture," and if you gave them the answer, your house was stripped of all its furniture, and it was just a a a. It's just how far three, two, one, and Ted Rogers had culture of the country. <laughs> and I think I think part of this was probably that at this stage, most of the country was sitting eating their Christmas dinner. Obviously, depending on when your mum came back from a shift, that. It may or may not apply to your family. But they're all having the Christmas dinner. And then then the real entertainment started. Two o'clock on BBC One, Top of the Pops. Yes. Christmas Day, Top of the Pops. No Lemons, was yeah. a landmark TV event yeah. with no lemons. And I did do I did I had a sneaky peek before we came on air just to see, do you know what the Christmas number one was in nineteen seventy eight? Oh was it Abba? It wasn't Abba. No. It was uh, Mary's Boy Child oh, by Boney M. Boney M. Yes, that's now in my head and will be for the rest of the day. It will. Oh, now hear the angels sing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my word, yes. Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ, was born on Christmas Day. That's probably enough of my singing. But um, And then, of course, we have the Queen at 3 o'clock, where the whole nation used to grind to a halt. Legend has Because in those days, just again, for some of our younger listeners, yeah, what we, what we do now is put the Queen on to record and then watch her whenever we want. Whereas there wasn't any of that, or very few people had video recorders by 1978. Absolutely. And if you if you missed the Queen, you missed it. Yeah. So sometimes we'd actually stop our Christmas dinner and go and sit in front of the TV to watch, just to watch the Queen addressing the, the nation and the Commonwealth. It was repeated on BBC Two at 7.15 in the evening. Ah. But by that time, it was up against some others do have them. Which, which, by that time, I think half the country was... Which is an interesting <laughs> juxtaposition. Some mothers do have them with, against the Queen. There's a mother who, there's a mother who had Adam. Um, yes, yes, indeed, yes. indeed. And then, it got, I don't know. Again, I'm looking at the BBC schedules. We then got Larry Grayson's Christmas Generation game mm. after that uh, with Larry and Isla Sinclair. And then, then we got the Sound of Music, which apparently in 1978 was shown on TV. For the very first time. Very first time. And this is something which, when you said we were looking at 1978, got my memory going into overdrive because I was sure that this was the year that this had happened. 
and it brought back various movies. Now, I've never watched The Sound of Music, so this isn't, isn't going to be me saying what a wonderful movie it is or anything like that, but I'm a bit of a, bit of a news junkie, and I remember that this was a bit of a scandal at the time, and it wasn't that it was being shown or that three, nearly three hours of Christmas Day was going to be taken up with it, but it was the amount of money that the BBC had paid for the right to show The Sound of Music. Right. Oh. A few weeks earlier, wow. they announced that they had bought the rights to show it, as you said, on TV for the first time. How much money did they pay in 1978 for those rights? I had a number in pounds terms in my head, which has been verified by my research. So what do you think? What was it? It was over a million pounds. Whoa. They paid for the rights to show it. Now, I... Wow. It was like, whoa, what is a public corporation doing doing that? Now, Wikipedia says they paid $4.3 million, which even with the exchange wow. agreements, that's a more than a million. What, a million that's pounds. more, isn't it? That's more like $2 million in more those like days. $2 million, $1.3 three quarters or something like that. Yeah, and it wow. was a scandal. There was a newspapers kicking wow. off about it. Others were celebrating. But I think they well. I think they bought the rights to, to show it for twenty years as many times as they wanted or something. Yeah, well, I was going to say that that probably explains why it's been on constantly exactly. every Christmas and every Easter and every bank holiday since. And, we'll I, and you should watch it. It, is a, it is a good film. I do do enjoy it. Yeah, but we'll let the listeners decide whether that was a value for money. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's that's why I thought yeah something about that year's Christmas schedules which was like newsworthy. And that was that was yeah. That's that's fascinating. Thanks. I was going to say that was going to be its its terrestrial premiere, but mm. then of course there wasn't anything other than terrestrial in those days. So Indeed, and this was it 13, was its, its premiere on TV. Thirteen years after it was wow, premiered, it'd been kept under wraps for, for for a long time. And just wanted to go through the schedules. I was I was looking down that subject of premieres. Mm. Uh, ITV had got had a premiere on that afternoon, I believe, which was Battle for the Planet of the Apes, which I yeah. didn't realise was the fifth of the Planet of the Apes movies from the 1970s. And by far the worst, Charlton Heston had departed. Um, I think that was, wasn't that the one where they go back, where they, 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 the the apes go back to earth in time or something? No, I think that was number three or number four. Was it? Yeah. 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 They they all sort of merge into one for me. Yeah. This, this, this was, I think this was, this was definitely the low point, but in some ways it was being reflected in some of the more modern remakes of the apes and humans yeah, trying not okay. to fight against each other. Um, right, right. Uh, um, so that, that was on. We've got some of the things which you may want to talk about later on. We've got Diamonds Are, Diamonds Are Forever premiere. Diamonds Are Forever. There's a premiere of a movie at 4.20 in the afternoon, mm. BBC Two, Desu Azala. Desu Azala. They rushed yeah. the film with English subtitles for over two hours on Christmas Day on BBC Two. Wow. Am I reading? It sounds a bit like the serials. It sounds a bit like the serials they used to put on during during Christmas holidays. Yeah, but Russian subti- with subtitles. Yeah, two hours. Movie. You're right. Absolutely. And I just well, it must have been. It must have been that spent presumably the on the sound of music. <laughs> or was this? Was, so they haven't. Was this an attempt at détente with the Soviet Union, and in you know, the late seventies? And oh, I, I don't know. But why? I think. Yeah, I think I think I think you may be right. The first time, having spent everything on the sound of music, what can you fill the schedules with on BBC Two? Yeah, that's oh, fascinating. That, that again, but that's a, that is marked as a premiere. And we've got other movies, you know, Holiday on the Buses, and all, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about. But there was a, a there's a Christmas Day 
BBC One in the morning, another premiere of an Elvis Presley movie at 11.35. Right. Sorry we're jumping around here, but, you know, there's some themes. No, no, that's all right. That's all right. I'll keep up. Clam, Clam bake. Clam bake. I, don't, I don't think I remember that one. No, I mean, I, Elvis movies and Elvis movies used to appear during holiday TV schedule quite often in the chapter. This one I don't remember. Wow. Um, no, again, I don't remember Clambake. Marked as a, as a premiere, 11, only 11 yeah. years after it was made. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I'll stop Robert's one about movie premieres. But, again, there was just something which, which stood out. No, that's fascinating. I will mention one more later on, which wasn't so much a premiere, but more of a made-for-TV movie, which I'll, I'll come on to All right. later on if we can. Are they just, just looking, as the sound of music's going on and on on BBC, BBC One, mm. I notice on... ITV, Billy Smart's Christmas Circus. What is it about circuses and Christmas? Why were they always on? I hated the circus, I have to say. Ditto. But particularly the clowns. Yeah, the clowns. And I remember going to a Christmas uh, a circus once, not many years before this um, at all, and having a obviously doped-up uh, lion cub dumped on my lap for a photograph. Uh, oh. And then it taken away again pretty quickly. Maybe my, my parents didn't quite know what danger I was in. But I still have that photo somewhere. Yes, I've always had an aversion to the circus. But yeah, that was on the other side. We're just after the Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. So I, I must admit, I, I, I would suspect that we didn't watch TV at that time. Maybe that was when my mum was home from, from work. So we didn't watch um, the circus and we wouldn't have watched uh, the Russian thing and we wouldn't have watched The Sound of Music. So, uh, I think we might have, we might have watched The Sound of Music because my, my mum loved musicals, as, as I do. Uh, and by this stage, normally, because because if you remember, my dad was a vicar, so by the time he got to three o'clock and had his Christmas dinner, he was absolutely fast asleep, having been working for several days nonstop. <laughs> so I think I think we probably were watching the sound of music. We should we move on to the evening? Just have a look because yes. you already mentioned some of us do have them, and then at eight o'clock we've got the Mike Yarwood yeah. Christmas show, which is evidence of the other big queue. Like more yeah, had already moved yeah. to the other side. That's right, and I think this nineteen seventy-eight. I think was their first, was it first Christmas show on ITV. Yeah, and just looking at it, um, I mean, I don't remember, but the guest is Harold Wilson. I know. <laughs> For those who are listening, Harold Wilson was Morgan, Prime Minister. Wise, yes, yes. Yeah, on Morgan Wise, Harold Wilson was the Prime Minister until 1975, 76, 76? Yeah, 77, I think he retired. And then he appears on Morgan Wise. He was 77. He, 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 he retired as Prime Minister. Um, yeah. Yeah, not long after there he was. Can't see uh, David Cameron on Britain's Got Talent, can you? <laughs> well, yeah, in many ways. Something like that. But interesting, Harold Wilson had been an impersonation that Mike Yarwood had done for many years. Of course, yes, yes. But there he appeared on the other side with 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 perhaps Yarwood's uh, nemesis of Morecambe Wise. Yes. Being on there. So was that a snub to the great Yarwood? Ah, nah, quite possibly. Because I always thought that Mike Yarwood, as soon as, as soon as Harold Wilson disappeared from the political stage, Mike Yarwood was finished, really. Indeed. Because his main, his main thing had disappeared. And Indeed. I always find found it quite sad in a way because – do you remember um, at the end of every show, he'd come on in his yeah. tuxedo and go, and this is me. me. And everybody switched off because we didn't want to see Mike Yarwood. We wanted to see the impressions. We wanted to see, and then he'd sing a song, by which time all the kettles had been switched on yeah. across the country. Okay. And it's also interesting. And cups of tea being made. They didn't put them head to head. Mike Yarwood was on at eight, and Morgan Wise was on at nine. Yeah. So you could switch over, 
and watch one, roll one into the other if you weren't watching Diamonds Are Forever. Um, Diamonds yeah, Forever. Howard Wilson being on one and not the other, I thought was quite a, maybe quite a That's, yeah, it's quite a um, uh, juxtaposition, I think is might be the word. Oh, yeah. Well, that might be a very long word. It's, it's certainly a word. And, uh, just, and then it sort of peters out on both channels. So we've got Parkinson at the Pantomime on BBC with special guest Arthur Askey, another great Lancastrian comic. Well, um, if you're saying and then the traditional Askey, ghost story. If you're saying Arthur Askey is signs of something petering out, I would have to take <laughs> under to that. Arthur Askey was an absolute gem, I think. In, in he was, he was. I... But but yes, it is definitely petering out. I would say that. It is, it is. So so after that, we're also to retire to bed full of Christmas dinner, Christmas Christmas just, cake, etc. More evidence, more evidence for the BBC having spent all their budget on Sound of Music. Is that their, their yes, evening yeah. movie was True Grit, A Further Adventure. Now, True, True Grit was a John Wayne film from, Great I film. think, the very early 70s, for which he won his own well, Best Picture Oscar, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think he won an Oscar as well, I think. And he then did a sequel. He did, he did, yeah. But this is not the sequel. This is the third uh, sequ- iteration. The sequel uh, was Rooster Cogburn, wasn't it? The Rooster sequel, Cogburn. sequel, it was called. And this, yeah. was a, this is a made-for-TV movie without... John Wayne playing the same character. Uh, um, doesn't sound Hopes, good, does I believe, it? Uh, was, was, was in it. And it was just obviously one of those things now, just trying to stretch a concept too far. But this is what the BBC put on. Again, had they, had they um, blown their stash? I, on, I blame the sound of music for all of this. I think, I think the Nazis have a lot to, lot to be blamed for. That, that Julie Andrews is all down to her. Yeah, indeed. So, so having having gone to bed happy, full of Christmas dinner presents, and I, I think in 1978 I'd also had a few drinks at that point as well because um, I was being introduced to it, which was which was you know very uh, responsible in a way. Well, let's have a look at Boxing Day then. We'll wake up after hmm. a nice Christmas day. What have we got on Boxing Day? Well, we've got Buck Rogers on BBC One to start with, Buster Crab, which was always indistinguishable from Flash Gordon for me because it was almost the same characters doing the similar sorts of things, but all good fun. But great memories of watching those 1940s, I'm guessing. 30s even, Black I think, because it was, it was one of the things 30s. that my, my dad remembered seeing them in the cinema in the 30s. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's... That when he was a kid. Makes, like, lots of sense to remove the quality. Yeah. And then we've got, just again, looking at, looking at BBC, then Grandstand with a bit of rugby league, football and racing. There we are. Traditional Boxing Day. Traditional that's Boxing good. Way things. Yeah, That's I mean, box, Boxing Day sport was a was a big thing on TV, I, I remember. And then, oh, after Grandstand, have you seen the uh, have you seen the schedules there? Mm. So looking ahead after Grandstand, uh, we've got a couple of interesting programmes there. We've got It's a Christmas Knockout with Stuart Hall, followed by Jim Will Fix It with Jimmy Savile. Now, these are two names that keep cropping up in our memories of 1970s TV. But looking at that sort of having the two of those together, it's, it's rather unfortunate, I think, isn't it? It is. It is indeed. And um, whether the subsequent relevations, the degree to which the subsequent um, relevate, releve, can't say the word, revelations have uh, sullied our own memories of, of childhood TV um, is for your debate for, for another time. But yeah, it is quite strange seeing those two sitting together there. It is. I mean, I used to love It's a Knockout. Stuart Hall has made me laugh oh, yeah. hugely. Yeah. And uh, I think I mentioned before on previous episodes, he was he was like the Ron Burgundy of the Northwest. <laughs> he was the anchorman for 
Granada Report. <laughs> and so everybody in the Northwest knew him. Mm. Uh, so it was even more tragic when when it turned out that he didn't behave in his way that he really should have done. But Indeed. maybe we should draw a line under that. Indeed, yes, let's move on from those. And we won't even talk about Jim will fix it. No, no, let's not. And then we sort of move into more evening entertainment. Yeah. And I, Are you being served? Presumably a Christmas edition. Of course. I mean, in, uh, uh, Christmas town in a department store, what what could be funnier? Um, <laughs> is the, sometimes as the case may be. Um, <laughs> but then I think looking down the, re- the rest of it, you know, we, we've got Mastermind still going strong. The two runs yep. still repeated ad nauseam. True. Yes. Late, late yeah. on, late into the evening, last last of the summer wine, which I'm sure you can still find on uh, on 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 some BBC channels even now. I'm, I'm afraid you can. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, I mean, other than another movie premiere, which is the classic, The French Connection, the Gene Hackman. Um, this this sort of that rundown of those sort of programs, you know, are you being served and the sport being on, just shows to me that one of the, the tensions of Boxing Day was the schedulers were maybe trying to get us back to towards normal TV schedules, but putting yeah. your gem in there, yes, rather than it being a full on Christmas schedule still. And I just wish they just made Christmas last an extra day, Christmas TV, especially with my Christmas yeah. being a little bit messed up by my mum's shift work. That yeah, I was used yeah. to be back into. Run of the mill programming and TV was such a big, big, big part of what what, what I did as a kid at this age. Um, sometimes I just felt a little bit cheated that there wasn't more special stuff on. I I still blame Julie Andrews and the sound of music. I think that's probably what did it. Although, did they have anything better on ITV? Let's have a look. Let me look at the TV times. Um, well, BBC Two, they certainly didn't. They had, they had Hinge and Bracket, which. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we can leave our we can leave our readers to to, to research exactly what doctor what age bracket was. Yes, yeah. Um, let's have a look. Oh, we got uh, we got Chalton and the Wheelies and Pipkins to start off with on um, ITV. That's that's a great start. Yeah, that's worth getting. Involved. And uh, it is uh, the Get It Together Christmas Special. Now, Get It Together that was one of those sort of things where they had pop groups on, wasn't it? Was it? Do you remember that? No, I don't. Yeah, it was a sort of. It was a sort of. I can't remember who presented it, but um, they get various pop groups who come on mind to their latest hits, sort of thing. You know, it's for trendy, trendy uh, pubescents emerging into their teenage years, I think. But um, yeah, just what you want on, just what you want on Boxing Day, and I can't have my eyes just been drawn to the afternoon. I have to say, at ten past two, well, holiday on the buses. I'm struggling to to, to to deal with the the conflict in my head because I have fond memories of those movies, um, but perhaps I shouldn't have done as a kid of that age because um, the, the, the the sexism in there was was cause was was overt to say the least. Um, but well, I think that some... was genuinely funny. Yeah, I think I think the films are a rare example of where the film versions of a sitcom were far better than the sitcom itself. Yeah. So I, mean, I used to find on the buses itself, I knew there was something not right about it. Really? Well, that's that's worth saying because uh, the definitely- but I couldn't but I couldn't quite work out what not yeah. being you know not being as not being right, only being a child. But um, yes, I think the films and as as one of our uh, as it was pointed out by one of our other contributors. The highest-grossing film in 1972 was not The Godfather that won all the Oscars in the UK. It was On the Buses. Really? Obviously not globally. You mean in the UK? 
No, not Glaive. Maybe in Warrington. On the, on the bus. <laughs> certainly in Warrington, I dare say. But on, on the buses was the biggest grossing film in the UK, beating The Godfather at the box office. Oh, yeah. my God. I, I think that just shows how, how different times were. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, I mean, going to the movies and going to the movies back then was a was a was a good day out to see Hold on the it is, uh, Interesting. And I'm sorry to carry on a similar theme, but I've just turned turned the page over in the TV Times to find that the highlights of the evening schedules at seven fifteen. Benny Hill. It's the Benny Hill show. Yeah. Yes. Which regularly topped the ratings in the the nineteen seventies. Yeah, and I, um, I challenge any any listener now. Who, who, who has seen the programme not to have the theme tune in the head. And if it didn't, that's it. Now. So. <laughs> so that's that's our sort of Christmas TV. What, yeah. what do we think? I mean, it's... Well, um... I mean, if I may, I just want to point out one thing which we have skipped over, which... Yeah, which, of course. Which, which of course. was a premiere, but wasn't a premiere, because it's, it's a movie-length edition of something just before the Benny Hill show, and it's Charlie's Angels. A feature-length, and three-quarter episode of the Charlie's Angels, which again, of the time, portraying of, of women and the like, looking back now, you, you wouldn't do anything like that now. But it was such a popular TV programme. And there's a... Oh, it was, with, yeah, it was massive. With Dean Martin as the, as the special guest. Probably playing Dean Martin, not a character, because I don't... Think, Probably, yes. You know, but, but that's a... Again, that's a... That's something which has been put together as a probably virtually as a global, a, a, a global product there. Um, maybe maybe for the um, for the holiday season. I, 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 I don't know. Don't remember it. But I just saw it there as being an hour and three quarters long. Thinking it was just maybe worthy worthy of mention. But yeah, absolutely. About what what do we feel about it overall? I think re- religion appears a lot more in in these schedules than, than they do now, and I. You know, yeah. not commenting too much one way or the other, but but I think maybe we've lost something um, mm. over, over the years. The the game shows. Um, you know, we haven't mentioned Sailor Century. We've mentioned three two um, three two one with Ted Rogers on Christmas Day. It's a Christmas knockout. There seem to be more game showy type stuff then, which were probably easy easy things for people just to sit and lazily watch. Yeah, um, and I suppose it's easy for the companies to make. They probably made them in August. Oh, totally, to- to- totally. Just put a tinsel around the desk, and uh, yeah, um, that's it. And then you got your Christmas special. You can you can make these things very 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 cheaply. But the movies, the premieres, the 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 the, the fact that your know, terrestrial television because we didn't have anything else was the place to watch movie premieres. Um, the James Bond. We didn't mention your Bond featured on Christmas Day, which I'm I'm I'm, I'm guessing it will um, this year as well somewhere. So there's lots of things there. You can see the thread going through the years, maybe even up to the to the current day. But I will just go back and say, why was Pamers in Hong Kong? Why why was why was Holiday on Ice? Um, and why really why really was Harold Wilson not on the Mike Yarwood show? Yes, indeed. indeed. Would- All those questions, I'm sure, our listeners will have a view on. So if anybody wants to just let us know what they think of those questions, that'd be very helpful. Excellent. Well, thanks, Stuart. That's been, that's been a lot of fun going back to 1978. I mean, I think for us, in a way, it didn't matter what was on. It was part of the Christmas tradition, was sitting, relaxing, 
adults maybe with a glass of something and just watching a bit of TV, let it wash over you, make you feel comfortable and all part of that that family feeling and and, and enjoying a, cr- a Christmas break. Absolutely right. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure going back through through the mental and, and internet archives um, to, to look through um, what I think was a was a reasonably good year, 1978. Um, I think was so. was a thing which I think will be stronger in my memory. Brilliant. Well, thanks, Stuart. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you. And hopefully you'll join us again soon for My 70s TV Child. Would love to. Thank you very much. Well, thank you to Stuart um, for sharing your memories there. Now, some of you may be thinking that it doesn't sound like many of the programmes are very good. Um, And you might be right. But in the darkness of winter, and with only three channels to choose from, it was as good as TV got in the 70s. And we loved it all the more for the variable quality. The television provided a focal point for families, often supplemented by grandparents, aunts and uncles and other random relatives who came to stay at Christmas, to sit together and be entertained. I think that over the 60s and 70s, watching TV had become part of the Christmas tradition for many. And so it continued through the 80s and the 90s, where shows like Christmas specials of EastEnders and Only Fools and Horses became part of the annual family Christmas day. I think that's not the same anymore, given our multi-channel world, Uh, That kind of sitting together watching a single programme, I don't think happens in the same way as it ever used to. I was also joined earlier by another of our regular listeners and contributors, Gillian, who last joined us way back towards the beginning of season one. Well, I'm delighted to welcome back a previous contributor to one of our editions very, very early, way back in season one. Uh, Hello, Gillian. Hello, Oliver. Thank you for joining us again at My 70s TV Childhood. And as you know, we're here on our Christmas special to talk about Christmas. But first of all, I seem to remember you uh, you grew up in Leeds. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And what was Christmas like as a child for you? Uh, Well, it was very exciting. It was very busy. I remember a, a lot of family occasions. I remember... Fun. I remember a lot of baking going on in the house. I remember people coming and going. There was television. I seem to remember later there was pop music. Um, but basically a happy, busy, social time that you looked forward to from doing special things at school. And then school holidays started. And then there you are with the family coming and going and, and all sorts of Nothing dramatic, nothing um, out of the ordinary. Just a just a jolly, happy, warm, comfortable time. And what what do you have in terms of what was baked? If there's lots of baking going on, well, the baking was specifically for Boxing Day because we had um, had had a big Boxing Day tea every year, to which various family and extended family members and um, and other people came to, and. That was very much um, home. It was cold turkey, cold ham, cold beef, leftover. Goodness knows why we had all those uh, things. But anyway, leftover from Christmas Day um, and salad. 
um, and volivants and very 70s, isn't it? Although they've had a revival lately, I think. And then an awful lot of, uh, so the volivants were being baked, but also all sorts of fancy um, pastries, cakes, small cakes or buns, as we call them uh, in my part of Yorkshire, uh, iced buns. I can't remember whether we had those at Christmas or not. But anyway, there was an awful lot of baking um, Plenty of on, bake. as well as. And the Christmas cake had already been baked, of course, a long time in advance. By the way, you, you probably know if you're from uh, my neck of the woods, uh, you eat cheese with Christmas cake and you eat cheese with mince pies. Because I forgot to mention mince pies. Of course, there were lots of mince pies, some with plain shortcrust pastry, some with puff pastry. But um, certainly in our household and across a lot of Yorkshire, um, you ate cheese and a sharp cheese, a Lancashire or a Cheshire, maybe a cheddar. Very good. Very good. And you mentioned that there was some television. Obviously, television is an important part of what we're talking about. Mm. What, so mm. what do you remember about television at Christmas? Well, I remember on Boxing Day feeling very cross when the holiday adverts started because it, put, oh, yes. it just seemed wrong because still in the mince pie mode and still had some more presents to open when people came on Boxing Day and so on. And so it seemed ridiculous to be advertising holidays. Uh, and I re- even as a child, I really didn't, I didn't like that. It felt like it did when you finished school for the summer holidays and then – you know, the next time you went out shopping, they were, they were trying to uh, they were all advertisements for new school uniform and pencil cases and so on. So I do remember that and remember that thinking that's not quite right. It's still Christmas. So you had um, you had the likes of Fred Pontin on Boxing Day going book early. Well, that really was very early in terms of in terms exactly. of getting ready. And then Pontin. I think there were it, it was very early, and I think there was um, there was sort of what must have been presumably quite early package holiday you know to exotic places which don't seem so exotic now maybe in the mediterranean uh, places in in spain and so on um so the there were the holiday camp ones and there were the i don't know shearings maybe i can't remember but but there were starting to be these exotic and that seemed even worse actually all these sort of apparently glamorous beach holidays in far-flung parts of Europe um, seemed ridiculous on Boxing Day. Anything else you remember? The main thing I remember, uh, we didn't watch a lot of television over the Christmas period, uh, is my is my feeling, because there's a lot of bustling around and a lot of people around. But I do remember on Christmas morning, and it always seems strange to me, um, that there were broadcasts from hospitals, from children's wards in hospitals, Oh, and there yes, would be yes. all sorts of people, some of whose reputations have, have um, suffered in recent years. But then people who were television stars, I suppose, who were going in and bringing enforced mirth and jollity to uh, to children who unfortunately were sick and were in hospital over the Christmas period. And that always seemed a bit weird. I thought, well, I don't think I'd have liked that particularly. And it, it all just seemed a bit of, yeah. Again, even as a child, it just seemed like forced, enforced jollity and gaiety, whether you want yeah, to. Yeah, you're lying, not, lying in your hospital bed, not feeling very well, and Jimmy Tarbert turns up. What does that do for you? 
Well, I mean, I'm sure the intention was a good one to make cheer the children up and make them feel they'd had a treat. And, and, and I'm sure that that was the case. But yes, it was comedians and it was other, as I say, other, other broadcasters, um, I think, who have now perhaps fallen from grace, whether they're still with us or not. Uh, but that did seem an odd thing to do. And it seemed an odd thing to have on television, even if they were doing it. Why did we have to, why did the rest of us have to watch it? I didn't really get that. <laughs> And anything else you remember about Christmas on the TV? Well, vaguely, I, I seem to remember there was always, as well as all those all some kind of period piece, usually Dickens, I suppose, looking back. But I'm sure there were ghost stories, as there are now, and I, I enjoy that now. I like I like the Christmas Eve ghost stories. Um, I so I, I do seem to remember that and being sort of scared, but scared in that sort of pleasurable way because you knew you were safe sitting at home with you know the Cadbury's roses in front of you or something uh not much drink in our house by the way it wasn't a it wasn't a, a boozy household at all never had any wine with Christmas dinner or anything so it wasn't it wasn't um wine and chocolates or anything that the adults were having but all sitting around comfortable and cozy but but being scared I, that, I'm not sure whether that was Christmas Day Boxing Day but around the Christmas period I think Mm. No, good old, good old British tradition. Scare people, senseless on Christmas Eve. Absolutely, whatever's going to happen next. Yeah, yeah. And, and anything else you remember? Well, I remember as a small child being, being, um, you know, absolutely convinced I could hear Santa in the sky. I could hear the sleigh bells because. Um, yeah, me too. And I was absolutely sure, um, and I was absolutely worried that if I didn't go to sleep, um, because obviously he only came to children who were asleep, I think I'd been quite good. I think I probably wasn't worried about that, but I was worried that I might be awake. And therefore, if I was awake, I wouldn't get my I wouldn't get my uh, uh, my Christmas stocking or my Christmas pillowcase filled with goodies. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely, Gillian. Well, thanks for sharing your memories with us. No, it's really nice to have you back on the show again, and I hope you'll join us again for another episode of My 70s TV Childhood. Well, thank you. It's great fun, and it's it's great to see that you're going so great guns with this uh, with this podcast. It's great. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks, Gillian. Some more lovely memories, and ones which I hope will resonate with all of you listening. Well, that's about all we have time for, so thank you for being with us to remember those Christmases past, where, as a child... Our experience was truly magical. I'd love to hear about your memories of Christmas in the 1970s, and of Christmas TV in particular. You can share your thoughts on our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com, tweet at 70s TV Childhood, visit our Facebook page at my 70s TV Childhood, or you can email me directly, oliver at my70stvchildhood.com. We're going to be taking a little break now, but we will be back in January for our new season, where there'll be lots more memories, more guests, and more special features to take us back in time to our childhoods. In the meantime, may I wish you and all you love a happy, safe, and enjoyable Christmas and a fantastic new year. As Dave Allen would say, good night, thank you, and may your God go with you. Take care and join us again soon 
for the new exciting season of My 70s TV Childhood. <laughs>